Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now understand this because you'll... I don't have time to go in it because it's not a teaching on spiritual warfare. But once you become a true believer of Jesus Christ, demons cannot inhabit you. I like to say it like this. The Holy Spirit doesn't rent rooms to demons. Amen? Now, he can be outside your door tormenting you like crazy, but you just tell him in the name of Jesus, get away from me. I don't have to listen to you. You're a liar. Satan is a bully. He yells and screams and tells you things about yourself with the intent to discourage you. When these kinds of attacks happen, it's hard to keep focused on who God says you are. But Pastor Mark is going to be teaching that it's critical that you remember who you are in Christ. You'll hear that one of the ways to get your identity ingrained inside yourself is to do the things that disciples of Jesus do. That includes telling other people about him. You'll hear a story today of how the Apostle Paul and his traveling companions handled situations that came their way. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 16 as he continues his message, Displaying and Distributing the Fruit. Now, when Paul gets there, and through give and take, he begins to learn that, and who knows how long this took, she probably told him, well, I'm a very well-to-do lady, and I was rich, but these pagan gods were useless, and somebody introduced me to Judaism that there's only one true God, and I just did that, and I've been doing the best I know how to to worship this God, and I'm down here praying, and I have other people with me. Now, the problem was, she didn't know that there was more than Judaism. She didn't know there was a Jesus. You'll have lots of people say to you today, well, are you, are you a believer? Well, I'm a believer in God. Well, are you a believer in Jesus? Well, I'm not into the Jesus thing, but I'm a believer in God. Well, the believer in God isn't enough. There's only one way to get saved. A lost person can only get saved if they believe in Jesus. There's no name under heaven by where a man must be saved in the name Jesus. So what's Paul going to do? What do you think Paul's going to do? You think he's going to sing Kumbaya? No, Paul is going to speak. He's going to open his mind. Now, let's just stop there for a second. And every one of these services I know are going to be different. I just ask God to help me. And we're just going to travel through this and we'll see what happens. If you're a believer... God opens the door to a person that's a believer in God, but they don't believe in Jesus. How are you going to answer that? See, one of the things you told me is, I don't know how to witness. Well, how are you going to answer that? You ought to be able to look up some verses in your Bible. Very easy. Go. I mean, we have the internet. Lord, help us. 
Just put in there, how to, how to introduce a person to Jesus who doesn't believe in God. Paul's going to build a bridge from God to Jesus. How can Paul build a bridge from God to Jesus? What kind of experience did Paul have? Why did God bring Paul to this Gentile Jew worshiper of God who didn't know anything about Jesus? Why did God bring Paul there? You're going to see it in a moment. It's called a personal testimony. See, Paul's going to begin to say to her, well, that's good. I like that, but it's not enough. So the first thing we see in the fruit from Paul is bold witness. He is open in his mouth, and he's going to say to her, I was a worshiper of God until Jesus came to me on the road. In fact, I didn't even believe in this Jesus. My worship, I discovered, was incomplete. So Paul's going to share two things. Here's the first thing I want you to write. Our personal testimony is a powerful witness. Somebody liked it, I guess. Whatever. (laughs) So understand what that means. One of the greatest things you can do to a person who observes that your life is different is say to them, here's how I got where I am. Here's how I got there. Now, here's the great thing about a personal testimony. You can't get it wrong. Amen? You can't get it wrong. It's your testimony. I can't. No, it's your testimony. So what would Paul have done? Gone through Acts chapter 9. He would have shared all of these things. Now, here's the second thing. Then he's going to present to her the gospel. The gospel then is a powerful witness. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here's one that you need to understand. Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Paul wrote this. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. We're going to see three different kinds of people. And everyone that believes are going to become believers. It's open to them. The Jew first, Of course, that's what Paul did, and then to the Gentile. So what is the gospel? It's simply good news that man who is lost, women who are lost, dead in their sins, any of them can experience the forgiveness of God and the guarantee of heaven simply by repenting of their sins and believing on Jesus Christ. So Paul would have told them about Jesus. Now, understand what I just said to you. Anyone can become a believer. You're going to see three different groups of people. You actually see a rich person who's a believer in God, then you're going to see two other kinds of people, which kind of give us a broad spectrum of who can come. But anybody can come to Jesus. Now, a person who says, I'm good enough, can't come. There's nobody that can be good enough. And here's the other side. There's nobody that's bad enough that they can't come. So both. So notice, first thing Paul does He shares his testimony, then he shares the gospel. You need Jesus Christ. And we don't know all the things he went into, but I'm sure he did. Well, that's all that we're responsible for. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what happens then? What if the person doesn't accept Christ? So, all I can do is do what I can do. So the next part you see in that verse is what God does. Look at it. Verse 14, the Lord then opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. See, once we do our thing, God does his thing. 
In response to Paul's bold witness, God opened her heart to salvation. Here's the first thing I want you to write in this individual. Three people that you're going to see. Number one, a God-fearing lost religious woman. That's who she was. A God-fearing lost religious woman finds Jesus and is saved. Found people find people. Say it with me. Found people find people. That's exactly what Paul did. So we don't know if the other guys interjected, probably, I'm sure, but Paul would have been probably the main one. So here's a good religious person. So this is a good religious person who is worshiping God. She's incomplete in what she knows. Paul completes it. Found people, find people. Now, what happens after that? Look at verse 15. And and when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Isn't this amazing? I mean, she's a brand new Christian, but what do you see? You see the fruit of what? Generous giving. Open heart, open home. Just think about that. Pastor Mark, I don't have people in my house. Oh, closed heart. Stingy home. Just think on that for a while. Open heart, open home. Is that right? Yeah, and so they're going to move into this. She's wealthy. It's like a five-star hotel. And that's actually going to be the place where they minister out of. God arranged all of that. So she invites these four men to stay at her house. And what are they going to do when they're there? They're going to say, you're saved now. Have a nice life. No, I imagine when they get up in the morning, boom, Paul says, sit down. Let me begin teaching you some of the things. This became, look at this, this is made because most of us here, our relatives came from Europe. This is the first Christian church ever in Europe. And from that, from Paul's bold witness, most of us got here. Think about that. This is the first church, first church in Europe. So we actually see in that passage all four of those connections. A personal connection with Jesus, a connection to the Bible, Paul's going to teach it, a connection to a local church, and here they are, hanging out together, connected to one another. Now, again, how did this work? When Paul and these four guys got up, they went like this. Okay, we got five fruit, we got four connections. Let's, let's see if it can happen today. You ready? No, as they're doing what? Life, God opens the door, gives them a divine appointment, empowers Paul to teach, and what happens? Fruit. Do you understand? Would Paul have been praying for this? Absolutely. And God's answer in the prayer. Now, look at verse 16. You all still with me? Okay. Once when we were going to the place of prayer. Come on, Paul. I mean, like, the next Sabbath you're going to church again? Hello? Two in a row? Hello? That speaks to some of you. I'll just move right along. (laughs) We were met accidentally by a slave girl. Do you believe that? No. 
So as we were going to this place of prayer, they're going down by the riverside again. They were met by a slave girl who had a spirit, a demon spirit, by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Now, let me just stop there quickly. I have to really hurry past this one, but you need to understand it. As we get to the end of time, there's going to be more and more spiritual deception. She was able to do what she said she could do. So you would go, okay, those miracles then and that mind reading then, that, that's from God. Oh, no, 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 no. That's from Satan. He's an angel of light. He can do amazing things. And you're going to see more miracles happening as you go. And that's why you need to be connected to a church. Because your shepherds can watch out and, go and say, whoa, whoa, don't go to that revival. It's the best Margaret's a miracle. Satan performs miracles. He's very powerful. So you have to be careful. So the reason they were making money is because she could do, she could make those predictions. Now, as they're going to church, as they're doing life, God arranges an encounter with this girl who's enslaved by her owners and enslaved by a demon. Through this demonic influence, she's able to tell fortunes, many of them true, which brought the owners, not her, lots of money. Spiritual warfare is real. Not only is there a real heaven and a real hell, there is a real God and a real Satan. Now, she wasn't only enslaved by the demon. But you need to understand this, and you can't really use this verse that often with people who are are lost because they don't understand it, but you need to understand it. Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. You see, unbelievers, and you remember maybe when you were, if you were older and then came to the Lord after a life of sin, you thought you were free to sin. No, you you weren't free to sin. You were driven to sin by Satan. He captured you. You're not free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. But Satan is the one who actually puts us into the slavery. So much so that he uses that false advertising. Sin is fun. He forgets the second part of it for a season. And then we learned that choose to sin, choose to suffer. You'll never hear that from Satan. Never. So understand, this girl, what is she going to do now that she meets these guys? Well, over the next few days, we don't know how many days it is. Look at verse 17. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us. Remember, Dr. Luke is writing this. Shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. If you want to know what you're supposed to be doing, you can just underline those words. She's 100% right. What should I be doing? Notice what she says. These men, just put your name, Mark is a servant of the Most High God, and Mark is telling you the way to be saved. That's what a disciple does. Now, the problem is, even though that's a perfect example of what a disciple of Jesus does, remember, found people, 
find people. That's what we're doing. We're telling people how to get saved, how to be found. The message was true, but the messenger wasn't related to the message. She's not in the kingdom of God. It's great deception. It's true, but she's not related to the message or to God. See, Satan is a great deceiver. These were Greeks who believed in many gods, but Paul had come to share about what God? One true God and salvation. Do you know what happens today with us? And don't take this political because it's in lots of places around the world. Cults like to mix Jesus and God in with their weird teachings. So you read that and pretty soon you go, whoa, they're, they're a believer. But very often when you see the Jesus, who they're talking about is not the Jesus we know of the Bible. Far from it. So this is not new. This is way back then before there was that kind of politics and all the rest of the cults do this because Satan is a great master of what? Deception. Be careful. Verse 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Paul, I command you to come out of her. Don't try that. Don't ever put your name in there. The demon will come upon you, tear you up one side and down the other. Notice, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. He didn't speak to the girl. He spoke to the demon. Now, some of you say, Pastor Mark, come on now. Like, we just got through Halloween. I get that. I mean, the scary movies are still on. I like to understand that. that that's not real. It's more real than you pinching yourself right now. He didn't speak to the girl. The girl couldn't do anything. She could not free herself. She's possessed by a demon. Well, when Paul did this, what was the result? Look at the verse of 18. What was the result? At that moment, what? Why did the spirit leave her? The name of Jesus. Paul let this go on for a number of days. He was troubled. That word trouble means he was pained. He was deeply grieved. He sees a young girl, you can imagine it, who's controlled not only by ungodly men, who knows what was happening with that, but controlled by this demon. So he's grieved. And over a number of days, we see a couple things of the fruit of godly character. What is the fruit of godly character? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Here's what we see. Love. He looked at her and he loved her because he could see that she was in need of help and couldn't help herself. And the second thing, it took him a number of days and, and he didn't lose it. Another fruit of the Spirit, sometimes we have trouble with this, self-control. He didn't lash at her. He didn't lose his temper. He loved her. And then in the right timing, he just came to her. So he spoke to the demon. It came out of her. So another fruit that you see there is a fruit of good works. Good works casting out demons in God's power. Ephesians 2.10 says, before we came into being, God already had good works for us. This is not an accident. And now understand, the whole city is watching this. As they're watching this, what did they discover? Paul's God 
is greater than this demon or this pagan god or whatever. Paul's God is greater. That's a great picture. So at the end result, what do we see? Next thing you want to write, this is the second person you want to write. A lost girl in bondage to Satan. She's lost. She's in bondage to Satan. Finds Jesus. She's not only saved, but first she's freed. And then she's saved. Now understand this because you'll, I don't have time to go in it because it's not a teaching on spiritual warfare. But once you become a true believer of Jesus Christ, demons cannot inhabit you. I like to say it like this. The Holy Spirit doesn't rent rooms to demons. Amen? Now he can be outside your door tormenting you like crazy. But you just tell him in the name of Jesus, get away from me. I don't have to listen to you. You're a liar. Now, we don't play with that. You don't play around with that. But you don't ever have to worry. Once the Holy Spirit's in you, forget it. Forget it. He's there to stay. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, let's say it again. Lost. Boy, that's terrible. All right. This is like four words. <laughs> Found. Good. Good job. Now understand, what if Paul would have been passive? He would have gone down by the riverside and said, well, there's some ladies there. They're singing. There's no guys there. This isn't where we need to be. Let's move on. What if he comes to the girl and says, look, I'm on my way to church. I don't have time to talk with you. Just keeps going. See, we have to be Intentional. When I left the house this morning, or it was afternoon actually, and I said, God, just give me a divine appointment. And I was only gone 45 minutes. I had a divine appointment. God orchestrated it all. I'll tell you about it later. It's unbelievable. But see, you said, well, pastor, you're the pastor. No, it has nothing to do with it. You're a disciple. How did you get found? Somebody found you. Divine appointment. So after all this happens, look at the next verse, verse 19. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone. Now that's a freed person, freed forever, hallelujah. They seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now I don't have time, but the next verses we see that all of a sudden they're going to land in jail. But I want you to see not only they're going to land in jail, a dark, cold, rat-infested, inner cell, feet and stock jail, but beaten with rods. Pastor Mark, are you kidding me? They're doing good. Are they out of the will of God? No. The church isn't the building. It's the people who still worship Jesus and praise His name, despite whatever obstacles stand in their way. Today, we want to invite you as the extended Church of Jesus to join us virtually for our weekend worship services. Pastor Mark and Calvary Chapel Melbourne are continuing to meet online during this time, and you can be a part of our services. Visit calvaryccm.com live to watch on our website or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku. Just search for Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Our services will take place at 6 p.m. on Saturdays and again on Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45. 
For more information or to find links to our stream, visit calvaryccm.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor Mark's teachings from this series and feel free to share them with your friends and family. We also have devotions available under the Connect tab and you can visit our social media pages as well. All this can be found at our website. Again, that's calvaryccm.com. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask that you continue to pray for our country and for those around the world who are suffering during this pandemic. Please lift them up to the Lord and pray that His name would be magnified in every corner of the earth. Please pray for our leaders as well and for your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you feel led to support Lessons for Living financially during this time, we would be grateful. You can donate online at calvaryccm.com. That's all for today. Thanks for tuning in to Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.